Welcome back into Bill's Chat, a pro football podcast. This is Josh, and not with me tonight is Luca. As mentioned on the previous episode, Luca has the week off. He is traveling. He is attending a friend's wedding. But the essence of Bill's Chat is a podcast of two guys who talk in a Bill's chat group almost daily. And we were thinking, hey, if we need to replace Luca with somebody on the podcast, Let's just dive into that Bill's chat group and pick one of our friends that hangs out with us in this chat. So on the show tonight is a friend of the show, is a guy that I've actually known longer than I've known, Luca, diehard Bill's fan. He goes by the name Stokes. Stokes, how's it going tonight? It's going it's going very well. Very, very excited to be here. And uh, this, is, this is just great. Well, we are excited to have you. You and I, we've, we've been friends. Um, geez, I'm going to date myself here since... 2011, I believe, and we quickly bonded over the Bills, along with bonding over Madden and our mutual interest in sports and gambling. But you are a diehard Bills fan, and Luca and I on the very first show shared our stories. Where Luca is a guy that's born and raised in Buffalo, but actually grew up an Arizona Cardinals fan. And as time has gone on, the local scene of Buffalo has kind of shifted him more toward being a Bills fan over the Cardinals. My story very, very different. I've been to Buffalo one time in my entire life. I live in the Midwest. I just grew up liking the Bills because they were a team that was on TV, and my dad and I like to watch them, and I just fell in love with them, and I can't get enough Bills Twitter, Bills content. I take it in nonstop. So before we get off the ground on this episode, I think we owe it to the audience for you to introduce yourself. Where does your love for the Bills come from? Do you live in Buffalo? What is your story, Stokes? So I I don't live in Buffalo, but I was uh, born and raised in New York City. Um, So uh, the Bills, as the only team that actually um, plays in New York, um, so there's that factor. But when I was growing up in New York City, my best friend um, was and is still a Cowboys fan. So during during our our, um, childhood, it's when the Bills and the um, Cowboys were facing the Super Bowl a couple times. And, um, and naturally, when you have your best friend or when, when you're just talking, naturally you go against whatever your friend is doing. Like if he's if he's this, you're that. And that's exactly what happened in this situation. So I, I was rooting for the Bills and the Super Bowls. And um, so naturally, I was just competing against him. And um, it just stuck with me from there. I just, I just stuck with the Bills at that point. And then the love affair just continued, and it's been um, <laughs> it, it wasn't a great ride after that, but mm-hmm. um, the the ride is getting a lot better at this point. So um, yeah, I, I'm happy that I that I stayed with it. But I mean, it, it could have been just as easily that I'm a Cowboys fan. And how weird would it be then? No, not weird at all. I mean, it, you grew up in New York, so obviously you said the only team in New York, but. You know, like you said, what if you decide to go with your friend? I mean, my story started with the Bills division game against the Dolphins in 1991. And my dad literally said, whoever wins this game is our team. How different would my life be if the Dolphins have won that game? I don't even want to think about that. It's but yeah, I think about how the, the little thing, like one little minute thing is just like can drastically change whatever is going on in, in, in fandom in particular. Because, I mean, so many people's situation is like my dad was this fan so i am this fan this is just this was how i was brought up so now that's 
it's just it's just cool to see everyone's story how it how it just can be you know vastly different. And you and I have known each other, like I mentioned, for 10, 11 years now. So we were together venting to each other through a lot of the down times. We rode the EJ Manual Hope train together, and then that fizzled out. We rode the Fitzpatrick ride together, and that fizzled out. We've seen Chan Gailey, Doug Marone come and go. And obviously, before we met each other, we were you know through the Bledsoe and the Lossman years. Do you have a player in Bill's history that really is either your favorite or the one that really grabbed you as a fan? Because for me, I'm like you. I started watching in the mid-90s, the early 90s when they were going to the Super Bowl, but I was too young to really gravitate. They, to me at that time when I was that young, when you're younger, they're like superheroes. They don't even feel like real people. It wasn't until um, the late 90s, early 2000s that I really gravitated, and it was Eric Moulds who just captivated me. And I'm telling you, Stokes, to this day, many of my passwords have something to do with Eric Moulds. I love him so much. I There's a part of me that wishes he would have been drafted by a different team and gotten linked to a better quarterback because... I might be biased, but I think he's just as talented, if not more, than Marvin Harrison. And Marvin Harrison just happened to, in the 1996 draft, get drafted to the Colts and got linked to Peyton Manning. But do you have a player that stands out to you as like that Bills player that is just your all-time favorite? Um, I would say that probably – so as as I was growing up, I, I played football in high school, and then when I went to college, I played uh, football as well. Um, and I was a running back. So any any time the Bills had a good running back, that is who I was gravitating to, whether it was Travis Henry or Willis McGahee or um, Marshawn Lynch, like all of those guys. And, of course, Thurman Thomas, uh, naturally, at, at the very beginning of all of this. Um, so any time we had a good running back, so that's that's the guy I was always I was always riding for. So it, it wasn't – if I had to pick one, I would probably say Marshawn Lynch because of his personality. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one that that made me like like just 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 love the Bills even more, just because um, I think it was uh, it was when Kenny Maine was doing his like main event or something like that on on like NFL Countdown and stuff. They did a Marshawn Lynch short, and like, he's his personality showed, and he's 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 a really funny guy, and in general. Um, like I would say he's probably my favorite of the Bills, and, and surprisingly, he only played what four years with the Bills, so it's uh, maybe even less than that. Yeah, they've had some good running backs over the years, even throughout the drought. You mentioned some of the names, and then still like LaShawn McCoy, Antoine Smith was a first round pick, so they have not had a shortage of running backs, and then obviously Fred X, Fred Jackson. Well, Stokes, I'm excited to have you on tonight because Luca and I have been talking off the air about how. Okay, what are we going to talk about to fill these summer months as we build up the training camp? Once we get to camp and the preseason games, the shows are kind of going to write themselves. When we started this show, we were in the thick of free agency. The shows kind of wrote themselves. We could talk about what are the Bills going to do? What did the Bills do? Oh my God, they signed Von Miller. And then right before we knew it, it was now we're in draft season. Who do we want? Let's mock draft. Then the draft came and went. We analyzed the draft. And now we're kind of in that slow period where we can come up with topics like we talked about Fitzpatrick a lot on the previous show. We are going to start previewing teams that are coming up on the Bills schedule. Next week, we are going to break down the NFC North teams, um, how they look, how they stack up, what we could think about from a Bills perspective, how scary those games are. 
But what I like about the timing of having you on this show is I kind of want to take a step back, take a take a high level view of the Bills and really go back to the end of that Chiefs game as painful as it was because Luca and I have gone through it and then what we wanted to see out of this offseason. But now we have some fresh perspective. We have a, a new voice on the show and I really want to just pick your brain. We can go through the emotions of the end of that Chiefs game if you want to, but really what I want to do tonight is once the dust settled and you were able to emotionally recover from what happened to the Bills to end their season that night in Arrowhead, what did you want out of this offseason and have the Bills checked all of your boxes? So we can get into it piece by piece. We can talk about offense, defense, but I'm just going to kick it back to you. When you finally were able to come down off of that emotional high or low, however you want to say it, of the way the Bills season ended, where was your head at heading into the offseason of what this team needed to accomplish? Yeah, so firstly, I I haven't properly grieved that game yet. Um, I have I have yet to watch a replay of it. Um, I the only things that I've watched of the game, like if I if I see like a highlights, if it's on ESPN or NFL Network or whatever, and then like showing like Gabe Davis or anything like that, um, I would watch that. But I still have yet to watch that game again because it still hurts because it, it's it is it's still fresh to me, um, and I I just I haven't properly grieved it, but I do understand, um, you know that. I understand how close we were, and I think everybody on the team, everybody, all us fans, we understand how close we were um, to getting into the next level and then you know facing the Bengals and all that. So um, I haven't fully grieved it yet, and I, and I don't think I will until maybe the first few games are out of the way. And I was like, okay, now it's a new team, new seasons, whatever, it's whatever. Um, so coming out of that game, I I felt that the Bills just needed to when, when you're thinking about the team that you're that is in your way, it's it's the Chiefs. So um last year when we lost to them, it was like, okay, well, we couldn't stop the run, we couldn't get to Pat Mahomes. So obviously let's um upgrade the defensive line and pass rush. They did that. And that's that was a great group and Boogie, although Boogie wasn't um the player that we expected of him first year, whereas Group was more the player than we thought he would be um, in his first season. Um, so coming out of, of that, I was happy with how things went because we upgraded the pass rush, and that's what – at least that, that's what everyone really saw when it came to the differences between um, the Chiefs and the Bills two seasons ago. So now coming out of this last game, I – I don't think that I don't think you can have enough pass rush. I mean, obviously, the offense is not something that I felt was an issue. Um, obviously, I, I do think having a running a running back that can be more dynamic than Motor, even though Motor, like the way he ended the season, it was like, well, okay, he can be a back that you can trust, uh, but he he's not the back that's gonna be okay. Well, I'm gonna give this ball to him on the you know the 30 and he's going to take the 70 and and it's, it's a touchdown he's he wasn't going to do that um on he wasn't going to challenge defenses in that, in that way consistently so um so coming out of this season i felt that 
if we could get a little more pass rush, but most importantly, I, I felt that being in the secondary, that's something that we needed. Although you're never going to find, um, or you're probably, probably not going to find any defensive backs that are going to be able to keep up with Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman, and you're, you're definitely not going to find the DB that's going to lock up Kelsey. Um, if you can find some way to scheme them, um, and defend them better than we did. That's what I was hoping for. And you, know, the one thing we know about McDermott and the defense and Frazier and just the entire system in general is that when they get when they get their hands on DBs, they are going to make them better than they were when they got there. Um, I mean, the list is endless on the players that they have made better um, from a defensive back standpoint. So that's what I was hoping out of the off season, and I I was I wasn't even expecting Von Miller. Um, like I was I was completely shocked that the Bills were going to try and then actually get Von Miller. And um, if even if he isn't like Von Miller from like Broncos like prime Von Miller, I don't think that's what he needs to be in order for the Bills to be as successful as we want them to be. Like if if he is good Von Miller, and even if he's Rams Von Miller, which was still really good, even if he's Rams Von Miller, he's still a game wrecker. And if if the only even if the only thing he does is impart any of his wisdom to Boogie, AJ, and Groot, then the signing was worth it because I think that what he what he knows, what he has learned how to do over his course of the time in the NFL, all of that stuff. Even if even if the only thing that they paid for is wisdom, it's worth it because we are thinking about four, five, six, seven years from now, and these guys, if they have you know all his wisdom and they just put it together with their um, skills, then that's that's all of it is worth it, and um, and that's even before factoring in what he can do on the field, and. And there's no reason to believe that he wouldn't still be good because when we saw him in the Super Bowl, he was still good. He was still wrecking the game. He's not Von Miller. I mean, there's only one of those guys. So we can't really expect, well, he's not he's not the Super Bowl MVP Von Miller anymore. I think if anyone is expecting that they are setting themselves up for some sort of um, disappointment uh, because he's he is not that Von Miller anymore, but we also don't need him. I think this version of Von Miller, while he's not the elite, you know, just absolute game breaker that was the guy in Denver that just wrecked havoc for so many years, I think he might still be close to that level as an overall player because what he's probably lost in athleticism that just comes with the natural aging process, I think he's gained as a technician. Joe Biscaglia from The Athletic has done a great job of breaking down his film and just talked about how when he turned it on, he really expected Von Miller to be a guy that just won with elite athleticism because when he came out in the draft, we just had not seen a defensive end with that kind of athleticism. And we've all seen the highlights of Von Miller where he bends around the edge of a tackle. And it's almost like he's an alien or somebody in the matrix where how is his body off the ground? Because he is almost parallel to the ground and that is how low he can get. But he runs these pass rush camps that Actually, um, Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa and Groot did attend this past week. And that kind of knowledge he can pass on to those guys, along with just the natural technician that he's become, 
I think he has a chance to really, really, really impact this defense. I'm with you. I did not expect Von Miller to be a bill. I've always thought about him more as like an outside three, four linebacker. And I thought the bills would make a run at Chandler Jones because of him, his local ties playing at Syracuse. Um, but then when the Raiders signed him, Brandon Bean off the top rope with Von Miller, I'm excited to see it because I think the way the Bills run their defensive line with their heavy rotation, I don't expect Von Miller to get gassed. I don't expect him to be on the field for 80% of the plays, even though he is that caliber of player where you could have that happen. I think they're going to manage his snaps, manage his downs, and make sure that by the time January comes around and we're in the money games, his legs are still fresh. So I would expect Von Miller to be closer to 50, 60% snaps and be that closer where it's the last drive of the game. You need the defense to make a play and he closes the game out because Stokes, you and I have talked about this defense is great. Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are fantastic. Um, Tredavious White, when he's healthy, is fantastic. Unfortunately, they lost him last year. In the front seven, they just have not had that game wrecker. Ed Oliver is becoming that guy. I truly believe that we have seen Ed Oliver turn over a new level and he could become that next dominant interior pass rusher. Um, that contract Aaron Donald got's a little scary, but we'll see what happens with, with Ed Oliver. But Von Miller gives the Bills that game wrecker in the front seven that they have just desperately needed that when it is 13 seconds to go and Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the field and you need a stop, you're not hoping that one of your defensive backs just happens to jump in front of a bad throw. You finally now have a guy in the front seven that can just beat somebody off the ball, dominate and win the game for you. So we were both excited about Von Miller. Um, you mentioned the fact about the secondary. I want to take a spot there because Tredavious White did get injured last year and that left them with Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace. I am of the belief that not just because Levi Wallace was kind of the guy that is the face of the 13 seconds mishap where he's playing too far off and lets Kelsey get a free release and lets Tyreek Hill get a free release. And then the drive before he's chasing Tyreek Hill down the sideline, you mentioned there is not many DBs in this league that can run step for step with Tyreek Hill. There's probably not any. I am of the belief that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott made their mind up going into this offseason that they they needed to get better than Levi Wallace. No slight to him, but I feel like they have already maxed out their coverage concepts and the creativity they could do having a, a defensive back in Levi Wallace who, for as technically sound as he is, is just not physically gifted enough to give you the flexibility to play different coverages on the back end. And I think that's why, even though Levi Wallace signed a very modest deal with the Steelers, and a lot of Bills fans are like, why didn't we bring him back for that? I think the Bills made up their mind that no matter what, we're going to get more athletic than Levi Wallace. Do you agree with that? Or do you think it was a situation where maybe Levi Wallace just wanted to go experience football somewhere other than Buffalo? Do I think that Levi Wallace is one of those guys where it's like he's he's too good to be a backup corner and he is not he doesn't have the top end enough to be a guy that you can really rely on as number two. And and while he was good for the Bills for his time there, when when it comes time to if he has to step in as number one, like, he's not going to be the guy that is going to do anything that's going to completely disrupt another another number one wide receiver. And I mean, and obviously it, it showed on the 
the Tyreek Hill, the, the long touchdown pass. I mean, I, I based on his route, I don't know. Jalen Ramsey wasn't going to stop Tyreek Hill getting across the middle. So right. If, if, if Jalen Ramsey is lined up this how, Le- how Levi was, Tyreek Hill is still getting free, and he's probably still going to score because he's just that fast. So I can't blame Levi Wallace for that, but that doesn't mean that having a guy that is um, more fast, twitchy, more just generally athletic wouldn't be a better option. And and that's that's not that's not necessarily Levi's fault. He he works with what he has, and he is he's a good cornerback. And that's why he's in the NFL. That's why he's been starting for a good team for as long as he has. So it's just that his ceiling isn't as high as is necessary to for for a team like the Bills if he has to step up. And this is this that was a situation where he needed to, and he just couldn't. And that's just that's not. That's not something that's his his fault, and I do think that yes, the the Bills decided okay, well we see what it's like when Trey's out, so let's let's go ahead and figure something out with in case Trey isn't as good as he was, or if there's a situation where we just we we face two good wide receivers, um we got nickel cornerback basically locked up with Tehran, so okay we we got one boundary let's get the other boundary and have a guy that is athletic or has the tools because we know that Bean knows that okay even even with the tools we've done it we've done it long enough we've had enough guys they've got the tools give them give them to McDermott give them the phrase we're good and that's um like there's only there's only so many times you can do that but at this on the, by the same token if you do it 80 percent of the time I'm gonna keep trusting you, you know yeah, their track record is unbelievable. You mentioned how basically every every defensive back, Vontae Davis aside, that they've gotten their hands on has really become the best version of himself. So I am super excited that they get Kair Elam, who has all the athletic tools in the world, clearly has the personality to be driven and try to be the best version of himself. I'm excited to see what he becomes um, in this defense under the tutelage of Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott. All right, Stokes. Well, uh, we talked a little bit about the defense. I will say that as this offseason has gone on, the one box the Bills really have not checked that I really would have liked to see them attack this offseason was a third wide receiver. And I know they brought in Jamison Crowder. I know they kept Isaiah McKenzie. And I understand that when you look at it from like a one, two, three situation, you have Diggs and Davis on the outside, Crowder in the slot. That's a fine one, two, three. My concern is what happens if Gabriel Davis or Stefan Diggs get hurt? Now, you know, if either one of those guys goes down for a long term, I, this team could be in a lot of trouble because the way I look at this roster, the next man up as far as boundary wide receiver goes is probably Jake Kumaro. I don't think that's Isaiah McKenzie. I don't think it's um, Jamison Crowder. I don't think it's Tavon Austin. Um, so maybe Khalil Shakir, even though in my opinion, he's much more suited to be a slot. Brandon Bean did say he has the flexibility to play inside and out. I would have liked to see the Bills either A, attack wide receiver in the draft. I don't think it's their fault that they didn't because in the second round, there was that run on receivers right before they picked um, with Alec Pierce, Sky Moore, Christian Watson. Um, there's maybe one more in there that I'm forgetting about, but, uh, Jalen Tobert in third round went right before they picked. I think maybe they would have gone that route. Uh, was Pickens the second round pick too? Yeah. Pickens. Exactly. With Pittsburgh. 
Um, so you could say the pickings were slim and when the bills got on the clock and, you know, an indicator that maybe they weren't overly excited about that is that they traded down twice before taking James Cook. So I still think that there is the need for that outside receiver. And I don't think you have to look at it as like, well, if they bring in, I'm not saying they should bring in Julio Jones, right? But the names out there right now are Odell Beckham, Will Fuller, Julio Jones, names like that. It's not a situation where if you bring one of them in, Gabriel Davis goes to the bench. I think Gabriel Davis needs to be on the field. What I'm saying is I think we've we've gotten too comfortable with Cole Beasley where we just know he's the slot and then the other two guys are going to be outside. I think Davis and Diggs both have the skill set to thrive in the slot. Da- Davis's fourth touchdown against the Chiefs came out of the slot and the, the touchdown that should have put them ahead with 13 seconds to go to win the game. And I feel like the Bills could mix and match personnel where if they did have another outside receiver, that would be good. When a roster is this good, Stokes, you really start nitpicking. Like there were times in in the drought era where it'd be like, do we even have one offensive lineman that's capable of being a starter in the NFL? And now we're talking about, well, what happens if one of our two outside receivers gets hurt? Who's our backup? I mean, this is like third, first world problems, right? Like there's so many teams that would trade our problems for theirs. But that really is the one box the Bills didn't check When for me. When you assess this offense, is there anything that you wish they had done, or are you pretty content with where it's at? Um, yeah, so I, I echo your sentiments in that if I had to look at the offense, that is where I would see the issue. Um, is I mean, we saw it last year on the other side when, when Trey went down. Like if, if Diggs was to go down – like last year, it would have been Manny Sanders and and um, Gabe Davis, so th- they they would have survived because Mango Sanders he he knows how to play the outside. He can do that well, and he can he can he's he was old enough and good enough to be able to handle that. I mean, at this point, there isn't that guy that you can say, okay, well, I mean, I mean, you 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 stated all those things, and it and those are absolutely correct. If Gabe goes down, I'm not sure. Um, I think we'd be able to manage a little bit better if Gabe went down. Um, not that I would want either of them to go down, but um, naturally, I mean, if, if you say you're going to lose the top five wide receiver, it's going to leave a hole. So, um, <laughs> yeah. in and the problem with with that is you you can't go and just get one of those guys that are quote unquote higher profile and just say, hey, you know. We're just going to hold you around just in case one of our guys get hurt. They are not going to take that opportunity. So you – and there just aren't too many outside guys who you you can just find on the street and just have them be willing to just wait around just in case things go wrong. So that's where it gets really tricky, and you just have to figure it out between the guys that are already there. And – um we would just we would just have a bunch of unproven unproven guys at at trying to figure out the outside now and the other factor is now now this is Ken Dorsey's offense Dable's not there to help them and, and that's not to say Dorsey's going to be bad or or great or anything it's just that it's just a different system or a different different person doing the big decisions but fortunately they have the most talented quarterback in football to mm-hmm. make out all the kinks. So, I mean, it's like the, the margin of error for 
I mean, you couldn't ask for a larger margin of error than, hey, Josh Allen's doing this stuff. Um, so, yeah, as far as offense goes, I think that if there was anything, having having another guy that we could depend on in case um, one of the outside guys goes down, and and attacking running back is something that I wanted. I mean, I would have I would have been fine with ETN last year because he, he guys that that you can just get the ball give the ball to and say, hey, make something happen. I mean. Now, Granted, he had that uh, Liz Frank injury, and he, he was out for the season. But re- regardless, having these guys added on that can add another dimension to the offense and just make us even more difficult to defend, that is um, that's something that's good. And the addition of James Cook, is that, that's something that I was hoping, um, not necessarily Cook, but someone that's going to – um, add another dimension to the offense, and I feel like tight end is good. I, I mean, I feel like getting OJ Howard was like, all right, this is just another good player at a position we were already good at. That's 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 cool. Um, and then the additions of interior offensive line, um, like so, all everything offensively, like, it just all looks on paper. It's like, yo, this 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 offense is going to be ridiculous to stop. Um, and then, I mean, we really just have to hope for um, health when it comes to Diggs and, and Gabe. Uh, but I, I do think that offensively we'd be able to figure it out if if um, Gabe went down. If Diggs goes down, I feel like the entire offense would have to, like, really evolve. Um, I, I love I love Gabe Davis, but I I don't know whether he's ready to be okay. Well, you're gonna get the you're gonna get the shaded coverage. You're gonna get these guys over top of you and guys playing under you. So let's you know figure it out. Um, I don't know whether he's ready for that. I mean, we see we see what he does against single coverage, and that looks wonderful. But if he we don't know whether he's ready for double and shaded coverage. I think this is one of those conversations where is it a month or is it a year? I think if if you lose Diggs or Davis, obviously you've mentioned it. If you lose Diggs, you're talking about an elite premier player in the league, not just on the team. So any team that loses a player of that caliber is going to feel it. But I think the Bills could survive losing one of those guys in the short term for like three or four weeks. You mentioned a lot of really good names there. You mentioned OJ Howard and Dawson Knox and the flexibility, both of those guys to line up in line and in the slot and outside. James Cook is a moving chess piece on offense where he can line up in the backfield. He could dot the eye if you want him to. He can also line up in the slot or outside. And you have Devin Singletary who, you know, he's not like a huge mismatch in the passing game, but you could have him and Cook on the field at the same time and at least make defenses question what's going to go on there. And then you still have guys like McKenzie and Crowder. And we don't know what Kumaro is. We know Kumaro was at least good enough that it made Aaron Rodgers mad that the Packers didn't keep him for whatever that's worth. So I think with all those moving chess pieces the Bills have, if they had to survive three or four weeks without Diggs or Davis, I think they could make it work and still get enough offense. My concern is if one of those guys goes down long-term, is it sustainable as is? We don't really know. You mentioned it. Julio Jones isn't going to come here to sit on the practice squad. He's just, he's a future hall of famer. That's just not something he's going to do. So the bills are kind of almost a victim of their own success where a wide receiver on the street, like a Beckham or a Julio, they're not going to look at this situation as one that's appealing to them. One option that is appealing to me is, as camp gets closer, can you coax 
um, Emmanuel Sanders out of retirement, can you say, Hey buddy, like you were great for us last year when, when your number was called It's digs, it's Diggs and Davis. Now, how about you slide back into that fourth receiver role? Keep your legs fresh. And if something goes wrong, you're ready to go in. That's something that I would strongly consider. I am like you when it comes to running back. I would have been okay with Travis Etienne. And in a lot of ways, I was rooting for that. I was also rooting for Brees Hall, even though it didn't pan out that the Bills took him. I am happy with Kyer Elam. And I am a big fan of James Cook. Although I do think that James Cook is a different type of back. I don't know if he has that ability to be that bell cow every down back. I don't know if that's what the Bills are looking for. I think He's much more in the, and I hate to say this comparison because it does trigger people. He's much more in that Alvin Kamara mold where what he can do to you in the passing game is almost the first thing you think of. And then whatever he gives you as a runner is almost a bonus. And I love that, but I don't know if the bills have solved their long-term need at running back. And you and I have been saying for a while that with the two high coverages the Bills see on defense just because of how explosive their passing game is and with how much attention defenses have to pay to Josh Allen, if you just put a decent to good running back in this backfield, there would be so many yards to eat up. There is so much meat on the bone there. No disrespect to Devin Singletary. He was very solid at the end of last year, but I watched some of those runs and some of those gains and I think, man, Singletary is really eating it up, but just imagine if we had a more athletic version or a game breaker, like, you know, obviously the most extreme is what would Jonathan Taylor look like in this offense? And there's not many Jonathan Taylors out there, but I have longed for the bills to have a dual threat because no matter how much we hate to talk about it, the reality is the bills being as good as they are, the chances are they are going to host playoff games in Buffalo outdoors and the weather could play a part and there might just be nights where it's not conducive to throwing the ball 400 yards and you might have to rely on that guy in the backfield. I don't know if they have that on their offense right now. I am very optimistic about James Cook. I just don't know if that's his game. Stokes, before we get into another topic I wanted to hit on tonight, is there anything that we haven't covered as far as what the Bills wanted to accomplish this offseason? Because I will tell you, one little bonus we got is coming out of that Kansas City game. If I would have been very snarky and sarcastic, my number one need would have been, hey, is there any way we can get Tyreek Hill off the Chiefs? <laughs> and guess what? We got Tyreek Hill off the Chiefs. That works for me. So anything else you'd like to mention here when it comes to what the Bills did or didn't accomplish? Um, yeah, so the the biggest thing I, I think when you, when you have a team that's this close is you want – Hey, everybody, let's run it back. Let's get let's get a little bit better here and there, and let's hope that everybody else loses the war of attrition. And while the Chiefs didn't, it wasn't attrition that got them. It was money. Um, they and them losing Tyree Hill is probably the biggest offseason move for the Bills, but as you as you just stated, because the. I mean, I, I know that the I know that Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes they they said it's going to make us even more difficult to defend. I don't think they believe that at all. I don't think anyone believes them that they that they believe it. Because come on, it's Tyreek Hill. He's he's a different different beast. You have to change almost everything about everything you do just because he's on the field. And then when you add the other monster, Travis Kelsey, it's like it's like it's, there's just too much. For the for someone to deal with or for for anyone to try and game plan against, um, unless I mean you can just hope that they screw things up like they did against the Bengals. So I mean, so when you have when 
all you're hoping for is like, well, the only way we're going to stop them is if they just stop themselves. They did it partially by losing Tyreek Hill. And so the Bills got incrementally better by my estimation with adding adding Von Miller, adding all that beef in the interior offense and defensive line, and then adding athleticism on the boundary as far as corners go. And then the team that is most in our way got worse. Um, I, I don't think anyone would disagree that they got worse while well, losing Tyree Hill. So those are, those are two big wins. And now, I mean, in the end, the, they still got to go out there and still beat the Chiefs because at this point, um, although we did exercise the Demons a little bit on that uh, in that regular season game, it, that, that playoff hump, is it's, it's going to follow them. It's two years. I mean, and if we see them again, then it'll be the third year in a row where we're facing them in the playoffs. And then even if it's at Arrowhead, it's going to, like everything is going to be following them if it's at Arrowhead again. Um, and then... I mean, quiet, quiet as it's kept, there's always the possibility that Josh Allen has one of those nights where it's like, you know what? This is it. And, the, and this is, it's just YOLO Josh. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he tapered that down quite a bit last year. But, I mean, there, there were times last year where we, we saw for a driver, so it was like, hey, hey, YOLO Josh, I mean, <laughs> take a seat for a second, please. Um, so that's, I mean, for the things that he does that make us go crazy, he does the same thing, and and it's like, wow, he is the best quarterback in football. So we we have to take the good with the bad, and and he he gives much more good than than the, the YOLO Josh. So um, as far as the offseason goes, I mean, I I couldn't have um, written a better script for us to feel good about our team going in into this coming season, and um, I mean, I, I think. I think the only thing that I am scared of is that um, all the all the the hype is behind the Bills, and now a lot of the money is behind the Bills. So when you have when the gambling and the people all over the Bills, their um, their Super Bowl odds, and just their people are pounding the odds. And I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think that this is going to get to them. It's probably going to get to me more than anyone else because it's right. I love the underdog story, and it's, it's just not that's not it right now. Well, there's such a sense of urgency with this team because we've lived through the playoff drought, and right now they are a betting favorite. And you know, Josh Allen is only 26 years old, so you hope that his career lasts another 10, 12 years. Maybe even he plays into his 40s like Brady. Who knows? But he is a more physical player, and we saw somebody like Cam Newton break down pretty shortly after he crossed over the line of 30. So you don't want to think about that, obviously, with Josh Allen. That's just enough to make you start panicking. But as last year ended, something else that ended was a chance with Josh Allen to win the Super Bowl. And it was all set up there. You had the Bengals upsetting the Titans in round two, knowing that if you win that game in Kansas City, you're hosting the AFC championship game. You had Tom Brady out of the playoffs, the the guy that had haunted this franchise for so long. And you had Josh Allen white hot. He wasn't just red hot. He was white hot. He could not make a mistake in the playoffs. And when you have a wave like that, you have to ride it because you know how it goes with football Stokes is you can have the best team on the field, but what happens if you get to January next year and the bills are 15 and two 
and they're hosting a home game against, I don't know, the Indianapolis Colts in the second round of the playoffs, and Tyler Bass just has a random day where he misses four field goals, or Isaiah McKenzie muffs a punt return. It's the randomness of football where in a one-game wins. Exactly. The the wind game against New England. You just it's it's hard to say Super Bowl or bust because so much can happen in one game that can just end your season. And it was all right there for the Bills. And you mentioned it. You're not going to get over this game for a while, maybe until they start playing the games. I honestly think, and this is going to be kind of hard to stomach until it happens. I feel like I probably won't get over it until they eventually hoist the Lombardi. I need that to happen. And if it doesn't happen, the scars from that 13 seconds are going to live with us for the rest of our lives because that was a real opportunity gone by the wayside. And that's where I want to transition into the next topic tonight, Stokes. Whatever happened in that last 13 seconds, we will never know the answer. To Sean McDermott's credit, he is buttoned up. He does not let things get out of that building. So whether it was the special teams coordinator's fault for not getting the message to Tyler Bass that they don't want to kick the ball out of the end zone, or was it Frazier or McDermott who wasn't didn't get Levi Wallace lined up right? Or did they actually call it that way because they were so petrified by the way that Tyreek Hill scored in one play on the drive before that they were just not willing to let that happen, and they were okay with him catching the ball and running for 15 yards to start the drive off? We'll never know the answer, but what we do know is it was an embarrassing loss, and until the Bills win the Super Bowl under Sean McDermott, that is his legacy game. That is a that is a um, a negative. I wanted to say black eye, but you know that's like a negative mark on his career. And now, when you look at Sean McDermott's tenure as the Buffalo Bills coach, he's been to the playoffs four out of five years. I mean, just think about how we'd be reacting six years ago if we said a coach was going to come along and do that. But outside of the Jacksonville game, which was essentially a bowl game, the Bills were just happy to be there. They nobody even expected them to win that game, and it was just like, oh my god, the drought is gone. The end of the Texans game was a disaster. The way that the Bills handled themselves in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs, um, when it was apparent from about the word go that they were not going to slow down the Chiefs and the only way they were going to beat the Chiefs was to outscore them. And then for whatever reason, McDermott, who had been aggressive all year on fourth down, started kicking the ball for on fourth and one for field goals and just conservatively played his way out of that game and the Bills got blown out. And then the disaster last year with the 13 seconds. I want to ask you, Stokes, is there a scenario in your mind where something, you know, within the realistic realm of possibilities for this team, where if the Bills have another situation where they lose a playoff game and the fingers are pointing at McDermott, can you see a situation where his his seat starts to warm up? Oh, man. So the my my first initial thought is this is why we can't have nice things that's the first thing i think about but then when you think about it a little bit more it's like i mean at what point do you just what 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 point are you no longer satisfied that we're no longer a laughing stock you know and and that's and i think we are getting to that tipping point and i think it's it's going to come it's going to come down to how things how things go wrong if we go if it goes wrong again for him, um, but I I feel like I, I feel like him and Bean are so lockstep. They are so 
um, in tune, or at least it seems as such. They are so in tune that that the only way McDermott would go is if Bean goes along. Because I, I, I can't foresee a situation where Bean is like, okay, well, you're not doing it for me. Because, because even if he, he brings along a new person that he chooses, um, I, I just don't know whether it would be the same lockstep that he's had in his relationship that he's cultivated um, with McDermott for so long. So I, 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 I can't foresee it. I, I, I can't foresee it actually happening because I, I, I'm, I feel good that it's actually going. We're actually going to get get what we want. But if there's an if there's another blunder, if there's something that um, that he he just can't, I guess, talk his way out of, so to speak, um, as far as issues with a, with another playoff loss. Um, I, I could see I could see the questions beginning. I could see people saying, "Hey, you know, what's, what's going on? Do you do you feel like you need to win in order to keep your job?" And and I could and I could see McDermott thinking, like, "Yo, for <laughs> seventeen years, y'all dudes wasn't winning, and I come in, we're winning this this much, and y'all want me gone." So I could see him getting frustrated um, at someone questioning him. But I, I think the questions would also be valid if we have. But we have unquestionably a Super Bowl caliber team. I, I think that, um, like you said, the Jacksonville year that they weren't Super Bowl caliber. Let's let's be honest, of course. Um, and then two years ago, um, I say maybe, maybe not. I mean, if in in our heart of hearts, I don't know for sure whether if we had to face uh, the Bucks two years ago, whether whether we would have won. Um, but last year, I. There was this. That was a Super Bowl caliber roster. I think I would have chosen them for sure against the Bengals and again against the Rams. I, I, I would have felt in my heart, not even as a homer, I would have felt that the Bills would have beaten both of those teams. So, so like when you when you look at these these rosters and then take the same roster and then you upgrade it and then you have the t- the the your top competition downgrade and then you have all these things working together i can i could see there being some rumblings if um things go really poorly in a playoff game people will will, may ask if if this is ever going to happen um and it's just and it's just crazy how quickly things can turn um, and when it comes to fandom, like we, we we were happy, we were just happy to be here. And now we're like, okay, we're no longer happy now. Now now let's, let's make it happen, guys. And I I think that we don't want to waste what is Josh Allen if 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 he's if he's even in what is his prime. Like if we don't want to waste these incredible years of Josh Allen and and not win big. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is you have this golden ticket at quarterback that's a cheat code. And there are a lot of golden tickets in the AFC. We talked about Patrick Mahomes. Justin Herbert looks excellent. I think a lot of people are still forgetting how good Lamar Jackson is because he was hurt last year. Russell Wilson has joined the party. And, you know, I mean, we joke about Mac Jones, but he looked pretty good. I don't think he's ever going to be on the level of those guys. But, you know, Joe Burrow is sitting there. Um, Deshaun Watson, if he ever makes it back to the field, I mean, we'll see, but I mean, he's obviously when he's in the game, an elite quarterback. Um, so 
you know, it's not like the Bills are just going to have a head and shoulders advantage over who they play in the AFC. But for Sean McDermott and the Bills, the thing that is actually working for them this year could actually be working against him. It is setting up so well for the Bills to get the one seed this year. When you look at what the Chiefs letting Tyreek Hill go, and then Russell Wilson going to the Broncos, and Devontae Adams going to the Raiders, and Khalil Mack going to the Chargers, I just don't see a scenario where any team in the AFC West wins more than four games in the division. They're all just going to kind of eat at each other. And then, you know, maybe the AFC South is a softer division, but I don't see the Titans or the Colts as a team that's going to go out there and win 14 or 15 games. That just doesn't seem within their realistic range of outcomes. And then when you look at the AFC North, you know, maybe not as strong, but very similar to the AFC West, where all four of those teams are very capable. And it's just hard to imagine any team in that division running away and hiding. And then there's the Bills, who have by far the best quarterback in their division. They probably have the best roster. I think Miami's roster is pretty good outside of quarterback, but it is a big gap between Josh Allen and Tua. And what that leads me to is the Bills have to be the favorite to be the one seed. And that means if you don't go to the Super Bowl as a one seed, you have lost a game at home in the playoffs, and that could ratchet up the heat on McDermott. But I am with you. I think it's so hard as much as we sit here and say this season is Super Bowl or bust, and I, I don't see many scenarios, honestly, where the Bills don't win the Super Bowl this year, and we're all not disappointed. It's hard for me to envision a scenario where the Bills don't win the Super Bowl, and we're happy about how the season went. It just doesn't feel like that's that's the game they're playing anymore. But in the NFL, where it's a one-game playoff, I really believe the trick to winning a Super Bowl is continue to get in the tournament continue to be there with it with an elite quarterback keep taking your shot year after year after year and then once you get in the tournament be the team that is healthy and hot unfortunately last year Tredavious White aside there was no team in the tournament healthier and hotter than the Bills the Bucks were beaten all to hell they had no offensive line left I guess the Rams were healthier but they weren't as hot as the Bills and that was a wasted opportunity. I hope the Bills don't have any more wasted opportunities, but I am not in a hurry to get rid of the guy that has taken them there now 80% of the seasons he's been head coach and he's been here for five years. Quick math in my head, shout out to myself. Uh-huh. Uh, but to me, it gets tricky because we love Josh Allen. We love everything about Josh Allen. But when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen, it's kind. it almost reminds me, Stokes, um, of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And I'm not trying to put Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes on those levels, but it just reminds me of the rivalry where you knew the Colts were good. You knew they had an elite quarterback, but whatever reason they'd get to the playoffs and then they'd hit that Patriots ceiling and they just couldn't get past the Patriots. And then they started to get in their own head and then they'd lose random games to the Steelers who weren't even, you know, they ended up going on to winning the Super Bowl, but the Colts were better than that Steelers team that won the Super Bowl. Then they'd lose to the Chargers. They lost one game to the Jay Fiedler Dolphins, and the, they, they got blown out by the Chad Pennington Jets. But it was always the Patriots that just seemed like they were in their head. And then finally, in 2006, the Colts got the Patriots in the RCA Dome, beat them, and then they just went on and beat the Bears in the Super Bowl. It almost feels like for the Bills to win the Super Bowl that the Chiefs need to be on their resume. I'm fine avoiding Patrick Mahomes. I am all about the path of least resistance, but doesn't it kind of feel like, I know this is real life and not a movie script, 
wouldn't it be, doesn't it almost feel like the Bills have to get that playoff win over the Chiefs? Yes. Um, I, I do feel like that would make, that would make, so the, the path I wanted last year would have been um, the Chiefs and the Titans and then the Bucks. That, that, that's what I wanted just, just to exercise all the demons like with the Chiefs, of course. I mean, and leading off with the Patriots, so it would have been Chiefs, Titans, then Bucks. That that was my dream scenario because it would have been perfectly fitting for the Bills to beat Brady for in the Super Bowl. Like that, that was what I wanted. And then, of course, the Titans because they they wrecked us um, on Monday Night Football. So th- that was my dream scenario. But if you tell me that this this year we beat a bunch of backup quarterbacks because of injury and we win the Super Bowl, I am going to celebrate that just like we beat Tom Brady this year. Like, it, like it, it's, it's not going to change anything about the way I celebrate it, and I don't care what anybody says. I mean, we waited so long for this. I mean, it, it, would, it would, of course, I understand how it would feel different. Sure, but I'm, I wouldn't celebrate it any different. Um, would would I prefer for the Bills to beat everybody at full strength? Yes, of course. But it's not going to make me um, feel any any less about it because you can. I mean, there are there are injuries every single season. Every every team essentially ends up with some major injury for someone that's important to the team, and that's just that's what happens. Um, so I I feel like without I wouldn't want a yeah but um, in if I, if if I had if we had to do it all over again I I would want the same thing in the playoffs this coming year um, is beating the Chiefs beating whatever team may beat us in the regular season and beating the Bucks because I I still want Brady I mean <laughs> I, I I still want him I still want to, I still want to see him lose to us. Um, and, and of course, because of all the shots he was taking on Josh Allen during the match. Right. So, yeah. so, so that, that's just another factor into it and into it there. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not quote unquote ducking the smoke, but I'm not going to complain if there is no smoke. I am a hundred percent ducking the smoke. Give me Drew Locke <laughs> and the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I will be one happy dude. I am that guy going into week 17 who's trying to figure out, okay, who needs to lose? Who needs to win for the bills to play the Raiders in the first round instead of playing the Patriots? That is what I do. Um, The year before it was, how can we avoid Baltimore? Because they were much scarier than, in my opinion, than the other teams that were in the field. Um, You know, Stokes, I, I, you know, to circle back on the McDermott thing, I don't think he's on the hot seat. I think the Pagulas love him. I think that they recognize that what he brings to this organization actually extends much more than just the football field. He has changed the culture in that building. And that's that culture word is kind of an eye roll for a lot of people because it's one of those things where like, yeah, if you win, your culture is good. If you lose, your culture is bad. And people are like, oh, yeah, our culture is great. Well, is your culture great? Or are you just winning games and everybody's happy? But he really has shifted the mood in that organization and you just have to go back to like the Doug Marone versus Doug Whaley where you'd see media reports from Ian Rappaport how there was a rift between the two of them and then Russ Brandon against Doug Marone and then Rex Ryan against everybody we don't have that anymore it feels like the Bills have grown up and I love Brandon Bean 
My read on the situation is they fell in love with Sean McDermott and basically let him pick his general manager. And he brought in Brandon Bean from Carolina. And I feel like the Pagulas just let him have that. And then once they got Brandon Bean in the building and saw what he was all about, they realized they had a superstar in their GM too. And I think Brandon Bean has really won over the Pagulas with not only how he carries himself and how he treats people, but also how he builds a roster and builds an organization. The Bills do a lot of right things. And I would be very hesitant to knee jerk fire a coach over what would be one bad game, albeit in a playoff scenario, you know, that the pressure is ramped up in the playoffs. I would be really hesitant to be like, well, we've come as far as we can with Sean McDermott. Let's fire him and let's go out and sign Sean Payton and let's get ourselves a Super Bowl with Josh Allen because as much fun as it would be to see Sean Payton calling plays for Josh Allen and James Cook and Stephon Diggs, you just never know how the rest of it's going to go. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have a special bond. Is there going to be a power struggle with Sean Payton and Brandon Bean? You risk losing what you have now which is a team that is built to consistently get into the tournament year in and year out. And I really believe Stokes for the first time in my life. I don't know if it's going to be this year. I sure hope it is. But I truly believe that we are going to see our Bills win a Super Bowl before Josh Allen rides off into the sunset. And that is something that, if I'm honest with myself, I've never believed in the past that the Bills could actually compete for a Super Bowl. And it's pretty fun. We've, we've come a long way as Bills fans, Stokes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, in in past iterations of this team, it's like, well, if things if things go this way, go that way. I mean, we can we can make a run, and then we can then once we get in the playoffs, and hey, you never know what will happen. That is that is not the case. It's like, well, what's what's going to stop us? And that is that that takes a mindset change from us as fans because for two decades. We were just just under the thumb of the Patriots, and it's like we are on the cusp of what could be something that is magical, and it, it's surreal because after like uh, people people in their thirties or in their forties, like their their adult adult lives is just full of beer, uh, Bill's frustration and Bill's. Um, sadness, and now it's like I'm older now, and it's like, whoa, this team is really good, and and it's like, well, this is what this is what the Patriots felt, this is what the Colts felt, this is what this mm-hmm. is what Steelers fans felt like. It's like, wow, this is it's different. Like every year, it's like every year we could we could like make it to the Super Bowl, maybe. Wow, and and that's something that we as Bills fans are gonna have to try and relearn because. As, as a fan base, we've been um, we we've been the lovable losers. Like, oh, the Bills fans are great. They throw themselves through tables. They do all this wacky stuff, and then the game starts and the Bills get thrashed. So, but that, that's not the case anymore. Now the Bills are doing the thrashing, and now it's it's like now the the, the fans are still going to be the mafia. We're still going to be that, and and I am I I worry for the city of New York. If the Bills win the Super Bowl, because you take this amped up Bills Mafia, give them a championship, and that whole city is just going to be crazed. Um, and I mean, and I'd be excited to see it. I'd do everything I can to be there for that parade. Oh, we're going, Stokes. Yeah. We're going. I'm, I'm bringing <laughs> you there. 
Yeah, so, I mean, it, it would be incredible. And um, and I just think that in, in you know, when you add in all the Super Bowl sadness that is, that is involved with the Bills as well, you just add all of that together. And now we it feels like we are back in that sort of, window after so long out of it and um it's it's just like surreal is really the best way to to look at it because i mean when we were dealing with all the the quarterbacks that we went through and the coaches and the gms and all this and all that we never we as you as you said you you didn't really feel like you had a team that's that has an opportunity to go out there and win a super bowl and um I mean, you can't really say enough about about having that potentially now, and I I think that it would it would not be wise for them to move on so quickly, expecting that just well, just a just a new voice is going to change this team completely, and and I think that more importantly than anything is how Josh feels about McDermott. And I've never seen him even waver about his love for McDermott. Mm-mm. So when you when you got the most important player on your football team in love with his head coach, I mean that that's that's probably the, the only thing that could um, derail McDermott is Josh Allen. I mean, if, if Josh Allen goes to you know Pagula, hey, I am not not feeling McDermott anymore. We got to do something. I'm pretty sure they would side with Josh Allen because he is—he's the most important person on this football team. But at the same time, I really couldn't see Josh doing that. I couldn't either. I think I think everybody's in lockstep. It's it's great to see after years of that not being the case. And Stokes, we will be at that parade. We will. We didn't sit through years of Trent Edwards and Kelly Holcomb and JP Lossman and EJ Manuel. By the way. Nathan Peterman is still in the league as a backup quarterback, and yet EJ Manuel's not. What's going on? I don't know. I, don't know. He's, uh, I, I mean, it, it's got to be some sort of pity thing. Like, I, it's backup quarterback is just the, the the best position in sports, but I don't think anybody would trust him to throw a regular season football for them. It, it wouldn't make any sense. Like, you have you have enough tape to know, hey, this this guy's terrible. I mean, and it just, it just could be great for the quarterbacks in the room. Christmas Eve, the Bills play in Chicago. If Justin Fields is hurt because the Bears have not put any talent around him, the Bills could get the Christmas present of playing against Nathan Peterman. Boy, would that be a sight to see. That would be the best. <laughs> All right, Stokes. Well, this was fun. I cannot thank you enough for filling in for our guy, Luca. Um, it was fun just to kind of kick around a casual Bills conversation with you. I think we both agree. Sean McDermott's not going anywhere for a long, long time. And I think these Bills, something special is on the horizon. I don't know if it'll be in 2022. Man, I sure hope it is. But I, I feel like we're finally going to get what we want here sooner rather than later. And we will be at that parade together. And we will be sharing stories about how miserable it used to be watching Rob Johnson and J.P. Lossman and all those names. And how look how we finally made it now. But Stokes, um, this is not going to be a one and done situation. We, we definitely will be inviting you back on this podcast as we get later in the summer. Um, you are a wealth of knowledge, not only on the game of football, but 
especially on like the fantasy side of things, the gambling side of things. Um, we're going to have some episodes that are geared towards some of that, and we're certainly going to bring you back for that. So it's an open door invitation for you anytime you want to come on the pod with us. But again, thanks for stepping in for Luca tonight. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been uh, great to talk about the Bills. And yeah, I'll definitely be back for fantasy, uh, gambling, Madden stuff. If anybody wants to see me in Madden, PlayStation, Stoke 36, oh boy. hit me up. I will wreck all of you. Is Madden good? Is it still good? No. No? Okay. <laughs> no. It's, it's not. I mean, Josh Allen's good in Madden, yeah. but, but no, the, the game itself is not great. Well, let's okay. Well, we we brought up Madden. The Bills for the longest time have not even really been fun to use in Madden, but they have to be one of the better teams to use right now, right? Um, yeah. So with the way the game has been built the last couple seasons, there are certain things about it that make um, quarterbacks overpowered, and uh, there's abilities. I, I don't I don't need to go into that specifically unless someone is a is a Madden fan. Um, but there are certain things that make quarterbacks uh, overpowered and Josh Allen has those abilities and um, it, it makes them really, really dangerous and really fun to use. And the Bills roster itself is good and is really good in uh, this version of Madden. And then in, in this next version of Madden, they're going to be even better. Um, so it's for the longest time, uh, the Bills were a team that not many people would want to use. It's, it's like you you get quote unquote stuck with the Bills unless you have a Bills fan, but that's just not the case um, anymore. So, uh, I mean, this this roster is just well built. I mean, it's like it's like McDermott and, and uh, Bean were thinking of Madden sometimes when they when they're building this <laughs> roster. Uh, and I will say that one thing we both have liked to do in the past in Madden when I played was run the ball, and it is hard to do in Madden if you don't have a fast running back. I have a feeling. James Cook is going to make the Bills even more fun in Madden. We shall see. I thought there was a chance, Stokes, that Josh Allen would get the Madden cover this year just because his cachet in the league, he's on that elite superstar level, and he's cool. You have to be cool to be on the Madden cover. You can't just be like a really great player that's not cool. You have to have some coolness to you too. But obviously, John Madden passed away this past year. They had to put the coach back on the cover. It was the right move for sure. You think we get a Josh Allen Madden cover in our lifetime? Um, a part of me hopes not because of the Madden curse, but I, I would say that it is it is highly probable. Like when, if if what continues to happen with Josh happens, um, yeah, I could see it for sure. It could be I could see a cover. Um, with him and, and Patrick Mahomes, if, if this rivalry continues as it's going, like the Bills are going to need to win a couple, um, maybe some of the playoffs in order for this to to get a little bit more so. Um, but yeah, I, I could I could definitely see it. One one thing I did forget to mention, um, the one thing that I was hoping in the draft, as as Tariq Woolen kept falling, I kept hoping, mm-hmm. hey, hey, Buffalo trade up for him because like when when you look at what what they can do with DBs. T- give me a guy that is super tall, super fast, and let's just see what the heck Frazier yeah. and McDermott can do with him. I mean, even if he's really bad, he's he's gonna be really fast and really bad, and then maybe we can maybe he can be taught, you know, this stuff. Maybe it's just tool that he's missing. And so I was I was that's the that's the one thing I kept hoping for. 
um, was just just take a chance on Tariq Woolen. I mean, it, the, the draft picks that they didn't make, um, I didn't really have much opposition to them, but that's one that's one that I was really really hoping. That would have been such a fun ball of clay to see what Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott could do with him. I was surprised he fell to the fourth round. And just for those fans out there that are wondering, like the Bills, they traded up to um, with the two spots with the Ravens in the first round, did give up their fourth round pick. But Brandon Bean said in his post-draft press conference, if you if you choose to believe it, you know, people say a lot of things in the post-draft press conference that they were targeting Khalil Shakir. And when when the Bills were on the clock, when they would have been on the clock, the Ravens were because they had their pick. He kind of looked over at the board and he was like, well, who'd we miss out on? And his answer was Khalil Shakir. So I don't think that move with the Ravens cost the bills. Tariq Woolen. I am with you though, Stokes. I think Tariq Woolen is just such a special skill set of a player. And I'm excited to see how he does in the league because guys that athletic, if they can turn it on and figure it out from like a technique standpoint, whoo, watch out. And you're talking about a day three draft pick absolutely positively worth the gamble, but hopefully the bills found their Tariq Woolen or, you know, better than that with Kair Elam. I love everything I read about this kid. I think he's going to be a really good foundational piece for the bills going forward and hopefully can give them some flexibility on the back end of their defense that they really haven't had in past years. All right, Stokes, this was fun. Thanks for hopping into bills chat with us. I'm sure you and I will be hopping into our own little bills chat almost on a daily basis as things come come back. We expect Luca back on the show next week, and we will be breaking down the NFC North as the Bills will take on all four of those teams in 2022. We're going to break down those rosters. We'll talk about the strengths and weaknesses, the directions of those teams, how that division actually has some similarities to the AFC East from a few years back when Tom Brady was there, um, what the teams got better Some teams got worse. Some teams have a plan in that division that just do not make sense. We're going to get into all that next week. Until then, we will see you next time on Bill's Chat, a pro football podcast. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Bills Chat, a pro football podcast. Follow us on Twitter if you're not already, at Bills Chat Pod. And also be sure to subscribe to this channel on whatever platform it is you choose to spend your time listening to us every week. Look forward to talking to you all again next time.